If you have a Bible, you'll want to turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a passage that many of you have heard from time to time, at least bits and pieces of it, and we're going to begin to read from verse 16. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Hear now the word of our God. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we have just heard these words of your apostle written thousands of years ago. Living today, we call out to you because we call no one our teacher but you. We hope in no one like we hope in you. We long, we long to see no one like we long to see you. Please send Holy Spirit to us now. May he open our eyes to see, may he soften our hearts and equip us and empower us with the same power he used to resurrect you from the dead May he now empower us. And as you do this, we will bless you and we will praise you for it. Amen. You ever had someone say to you, why can't, why don't you just leave me alone? Had, ever had anybody say that to you? Why don't you just leave me alone? I think it happens in our families more than we'd like to admit. You get teenage children, they're going to say it too in one way or another, something like that. But I think a lot of us understand and we sort of sense, maybe you haven't articulated it this way, but you sense that as we came out of COVID, we were walking into a new world where people were saying to evangelical Christians like you and me, Bible-believing Christians like you and me, why don't you just leave us alone? Have you noticed that the world around us here in our country has changed along those lines? That people are just aren't that interested. In fact, sometimes they are, they're offended when you let them know what's going on in your life as a Christian person. Oh, it's okay for you to have your religion. It's okay for you to be a man or a woman of faith. That's what they call us now. You realize that, yeah. But don't bother me with it. Why don't you just leave us alone? You see, the basic commitments of the world in which we live have changed. But we used to be able to call our Judeo-Christian foundation is now evaporated right before our eyes. And Americans in much larger numbers are loyal to other gods 
Why don't you just leave us alone? It's an appropriate question to ask in the light of this passage because we're entering into the middle of a conversation that the Apostle Paul was having with the church in Corinth. And this conversation had been going on a lot. He wrote a lot of letters to them and he dealt with all kinds of issues. But basically what they're saying to him as he's responding in this book, 2 Corinthians, is this. Paul, we appreciate you. Thank you for all you've done for us. But why don't you just leave us alone now? And in the middle of this conversation he's having with them as he writes his letter, he does something remarkable that he doesn't do very often in his letters to various churches, and that is he reveals his heart to them. He answers that question, why don't you just leave us alone, by opening up in a very vulnerable way what he feels, what he experiences, what's true of him that keeps him from being able to leave them alone. And so maybe if we can look into this rare opportunity to get into the heart of the Apostle Paul, maybe we can find how you and I can respond to that question when they ask us, why don't you just leave us alone, and resist the temptation to say, okay, I will. Maybe we can find impetus, maybe we can find encouragement actually to reach out to our friends and to our neighbors and our family members, loved ones of various sorts that still need to have someone live before them as a Christian and be ready to share the Christian faith with them. So let's take a little look into what the apostle says about himself here. The first thing I want you to see is that he says, I can't leave you alone because I'm different. I've been changed. Notice what he says in verse 16. So from now on, we, that's himself and the Corinthians in many respects and the people that were with him. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He's saying, look, I've changed the way that I look at people. I used to look at them according to the flesh, it says, or according to the way the world looks at people. And you know what that is. You know what the world does with itself, this big pizza pie called humanity. You know what we do just to manage all the people that are around us. We start slicing the pizza pie. We slice it between this group and that group. Those that are like me and those that are not like me, those that have the education I have and those that don't, those who have the money I have and those that don't, those who speak my language and those who don't, those who dress like me and those that don't dress like me, those who look like me and those that don't look like me. And the main reason we keep on chopping up the pie like that is so we can figure out who's important enough for us to pay attention to and who's not important enough for us to pay attention to. And let's face it, we do that when we're walking down the grocery store aisle. You see someone that looks like you and talks like you, lives like you, and as you meet coming down the grocery store aisle, I know the Southern custom. You nod at them, you say, good morning, how you doing? But if somebody's coming toward you down that same grocery aisle, and you notice that they're different from you, you're not even sure what language they're speaking, they're dressed in strange ways by our standards. 
All of a sudden, it's very interesting to notice on this aisle side that there are about 22 different kinds of cornflakes over here, and I wonder which one I'm going to buy until they pass, and then you go your own way. I don't know what it's like for you, but my wife and I live in a suburb of Orlando, Florida, in a gated community in a suburb of Orlando, Florida, and you would think that everybody inside a gated community would be basically the same kinds of people, but they're not. We're the only people in our whole neighborhood that are like us. The variety is unbelievable, and I know you in a university town would face some of that too in your communities. It didn't used to be that way 30 years ago, but it's that way now. Now, if you're not going to look at the world from a worldly point of view, chop, 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 how should we look at the world? Well, when you read the Bible and you get the big picture of the Bible, we slice the pie. We do. We slice that big pizza pie called humanity, but only one time. It's divided between those who are in Christ and those who are in need of Christ. Those who are your family in Christ and those who ought to be your family in Christ. It's really that simple. And did you notice in this verse what he says about Jesus? He says, we even used to look at Jesus from a worldly point of view, but we don't do that anymore. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Was Jesus American? No. Did Jesus have the amount of money that you have in your bank account? No. Did he speak English? No. Did he look like you and me? No. If you saw Jesus walking down that grocery aisle the way he was 2,000 years ago when he walked on this planet, you'd start counting cornflakes boxes. But you and I, who would naturally, at one time in our lives, have turned our faces away from Jesus, now call him our Lord, our King, the ruler of the whole universe. And the apostle is saying this, if you've been changed in the way that you think about Jesus, you should also be changed in the way you think about everybody else. Because it's all about him and how people relate to him. That's why he says that famous verse, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, behold, New things have come, old things have gone away, new creation. And you know, people change in all kinds of ways when they become followers of Christ. Their moral life will change, their family life will change, their work life will change. We become new creation. We enter into a new world, a new existence, because Jesus has so radically impacted the universe. But one of the ways that new creation is to be a part of our lives today, preoccupying us at every moment, is I don't look at people the way I once did. That's why I can't leave them alone. The Apostle Paul was a Jew, 
writing this letter to a Gentile city. There were Jews in the church to be sure, but there were lots of Gentiles in that church. And he did not factor well by their cultural standards. He should have been leaving them alone, but he just couldn't do it. He was changed. And so are you. Now the Apostle Paul goes on in this passage and he says, I've, it's not just that I've been changed. Something else has happened to me that I need to remind all of you over there in Corinth. I need to remind you about this. He says, I've been called by God not to leave people alone. Listen to how he puts it. I love this passage, it's so wonderful. Beginning in verse 18, all this, all this change that's happened, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men, people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Message of reconciliation. He says here he's been given a ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is not a word we use a lot. We kind of know what it means, but let me see if I can bring it to real life here. Reconciliation happens when you have two people who don't like each other. They're at odds with each other and they're about to kill each other in some fashion or another, or they wish they could anyway, get rid of the other person, and somebody steps in the middle. That's a ministry of reconciliation. Someone steps in the middle and tries to bring peace between these two. A lot of marriage and family therapists do just that. If any of you are therapists here, God bless you, because you walk right into the middle of wars every single day because their job is to stand in the middle and to make peace between these two enemies. God bless you. Now I hear the apostles saying this, and my natural reaction to that is, yuck. I mean, who wants to do that? I mean, it's hard enough just to live your own life and deal with your own relationships. Why do I have to get in the middle of other people's messed up relationships? Do you follow what I'm saying? And, you know, I guess if you're a nosy person, a busybody, you might like that kind of thing. But generally speaking, if people are really at odds with each other, what we all tend to do is sort of back out of the situation and say, hmm, I'm not getting into that mess because I know who's going to lose, me. Now, I say yuck. But the Apostle Paul says, oh, no, this is the greatest honor a person could ever imagine happening. Now you have to remember something about this ministry of reconciliation. It's not between human beings. That's a byproduct of something else that's much more difficult than that. On the one side, we have the God of heaven and earth who's holy and good and faithful and true. And then you have people who have made themselves the enemies of God. And the apostle says, I stand between those trying to bring about reconciliation. That's what I'm doing. And I hear that and I go, well, I really don't want to do that. It's just not natural for me to ever get between God and people and try to fix that relationship. And I suspect that I'm not the only one in the room that feels that way. Religion's a private matter, isn't it? Uh, you just ought to let leave people alone. But he says, no, 
It's not easy, but I'm there because of the kind of calling it is. Look at what he says. I love the way he does this. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. That's another one of those famous verses. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I never knew what that verse meant until I met an ambassador. And it was on a mission trip from Jackson, Mississippi, way back in 1986, with one of the pastors there under your father, Ed Norton. He led a group of college students, and he asked my wife and me to go with him to the country that was then called Czechoslovakia. Okay, And Trent Lott, Senator Trent Lott, had arranged for us to meet the ambassador of the United States to Czechoslovakia. Great. That'll be fun, I guess. So, we, so you need to understand, though, that the ambassador of the United States at that time to Czechoslovakia was Shirley Temple. The childhood movie star, Shirley Temple. Her name was Shirley Temple Black, Ambassador Shirley Temple Black. So old Ed shook me and woke me up early one morning. He said, hey, Rich, we're going to, we're going to the embassy now. We're going now. You've got to get up. So, okay, so I'm putting my clothes on in the cab, and people in the car are looking at me, and they're saying, what are you going to say, Richard? What are you going to say? And I said, I'm not going to say anything. And they said, no, you got to. You're the professor. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to become the spokesperson for this. I'm going to let them know what I'm going to say. I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask her to sing Good Ship Lollipop. <laughs> if you don't know, that was a very famous song from Shirley Temple, the child movie star. Okay, Google it, you'll find it. YouTube it, you'll find it. It's cute. Okay, and so I was starting to practice the songs. On the Good Ship Lollipop. I don't know the next line, but candy shop. I got that one. Uh, and I'm trying to remember the words because I want to catch her and I want to help her with it. Okay? I'm the kind of person that if I get a sense that you think you are somebody, I'm going to let you know that I don't think you're all that. Okay? Just sorry. I'm a sinner too. So I was going to try to catch Shirley Temple in the lyrics of Good Ship Lollipop. Well, we walk into her office, and her office was about half the size of this sanctuary here. And everybody else except me was from Mississippi, so they knew what to do. They sat down and put their hands in their laps and waited for her to come. Not me. I started walking around the office. And as I did, I noticed photographs of her, photographs of Shirley Temple with Queen Elizabeth. And it wasn't like she was curtsying before the queen. They had their arms around each other drinking champagne. Then George, the older George Bush, she was with him. She was with Gorbachev. And she was then with the Pope. The Pope! On and on and on it went as I walked around the room. And about halfway through, I began to realize, wow, this, this person's an important person. She's the ambassador of the United States. It's okay. Suddenly, the big French doors slide open like this, and in walks... Shirley Temple, grandmother Shirley Temple. She walks into the room, everybody stands up, they're between me and, they're between her and me, okay? So there we are, and there's this parting of the Red Sea, like this, an aisle, because everybody was waiting for me to go ask her to sing Good Ship Lollipop. 
So I walked down the aisle that they had made among them, and there were a couple of students about Knox's age at the time who were doing this, Richard, 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 Richard. They wanted me to do it so badly. They were just daring me to do it. So I walked right up to her, I extended my hand to her, and I said, how do you do, Madam Ambassador? It's a great privilege to meet you. And I sat down and kept my mouth shut. Why? Because I had realized just in those few moments that she was an ambassador of the United States of America. That she represented me, no more than that, she represented my government, she represented my nation, my president, to the leaders of the world. And no one that does that deserves to be asked to sing Good Ship Lollipop. The person that does that deserves respect because that is such a high calling, such an honorable calling, such a, such a sacrificial calling for the leader of our nation. That's what the apostle is saying. That we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. But notice this, as honorable as Shirley Temple was for being an ambassador of the United States, that is nothing nothing compared to what you are. You are not representing a nation that's going to come and go like every other nation ever has throughout the whole history of the world. You are representing the king of a kingdom that will never, never end. The king of all kings and the lord of all lords. And when you speak... In that ministry of reconciliation, as he says in verse 20, it is as if God himself were speaking through you. What more honor could you possibly want for your life than for God to speak through you? Why don't you just leave us alone, Paul? I can't leave you alone. I'm an ambassador for the king of the universe. And the same is true for you. When you consider your children, your wayward children, your wayward grandchildren, your neighbors, your friends, and you pull back and you just say, well, maybe I just need to leave them alone. Maybe I don't need to let my light shine before them anymore. Maybe I don't need to treat them in a special way. Remember who you are. You're the ambassador of the king of the universe. And God has chosen you to be the one through whom he speaks the word of reconciliation. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be hesitant about. It's the greatest honor you could possibly have. So get out there and do it. I'm changed. I'm called. But there's a third thing he says here, and it's sort of hidden, especially from our eyes, unless we look really carefully. Take a look again, beginning at verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, I learned the Bible as a child in the King James. And I'm sure some of you did too, didn't you? Can I hear a little amen on a Sunday night? 
All right, good. Can you tell me what this says in the King James Bible? Not we implore you. What does it say? We beseech thee, be reconciled to God. Beseech. Well, nobody knows what that word means anyway. So great. And now it says implore. That's great. Because what this word means is that kind of thing. Beseech, implore, plead, even beg. It's a very emotional word. And it's one that reveals the fact that Paul cared about these people. That's why he couldn't leave them alone. I'm sure every family here that has older children has gone through this kind of thing where you see one of your children do something that's embarrassing and doesn't fit with what you believe and maybe it's a really a terrible thing, who knows, but you know, typically, this is not always true, but typically what happens is the father is the bad cop and the mom's the good cop. Okay, so the dad gets really mad and he says, you're grounded for the next 15 years. You'll never come out of that room, okay? And the wife is sitting over there, and the mother is sitting over there, she's kind of going, oh me, here it goes. And she doesn't want to get directly involved or inter- interfere with it, but she's a little more passive about the whole situation. And that's the way we do it, right, guys? When, when a kid does something wrong, the first thing you do, the first thing you think about is, boom, we got to do this, we got to hit it hard, got to straighten them out. And I'm not opposed to that, okay? I think that when something like that happens, sometimes it does take a strong hand to shake some sense into them. I bet I can get an amen for that one too, okay? But you know this also, that if that doesn't work, you know at some point, the hardest-hearted father will look at his son or daughter and he'll begin to plead. You don't know what this is doing to you. You can't see how this is going to impact your life forever. They'll begin to implore, please don't do this. Please don't go away. That's what the apostle is revealing here about himself. that his heart breaks over the Corinthians. And we have got to come to the point where our hearts start to break. Yes, for our loved ones that have turned away from all good things, but even our neighbors, the people we work with, that somehow we get this demeanor of, I care about you that's why I'm letting my light shine that's why I refuse to get involved in the kinds of things you're trying to get me involved in this is why I'm inviting you to come to church for a special Christmas program or why I'm opening my home to you so that you can be my friend as you're going through your divorce It's because you see the pain and you see the suffering they're going through and rather than being angry about it, your heart breaks for them and you care about them. 
We live in a day when people don't care about each other much anymore. And it's time for us to begin to care again. Isn't this a great passage? They just wanted him to mind his own business, live and let live. Why don't you just leave us alone? He says, I, I just can't. I'm changed in the way that I look at people. I've got this magnificent calling in my life. God, God has made me his ambassador and he speaks through me. I can't be silent. And I can't leave you alone because I care about you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, how we bless you. How we honor you that you looked at us with the eyes of new creation. We bless you that you spoke God's word as his great ambassador to this world. And Lord Jesus, how we bless you, how we honor you for the way that you care about us so deeply that you weep over us. And we pray now that Holy Spirit will well, that he'll write these things on our hearts so that we will not forget them, so that we can be the kind of people that will never leave those around us alone. Amen.